0: Welcome to episode 64 of the Elevate Your Running Podcast. My name is Sarah Manderscheid. My co-host is Austin Myers. And today I'm talking about how to prepare for a late race start. Yes, it is Boston race weekend. I'm so excited. But this can also apply for anyone who has a huge gap or a large gap, two, three, four hours between wake up time And getting your long run in or your race, right? I'm also going to talk about tips for running and racing in the rain and also how to continue running when motivation changes. I think we've all been there um, with the motivation kind of ebb and flowing when you're in different seasons of life. It's something that we all go through. And so I have a nice breakdown in my tips for what I do when motivation starts to wane. Um, So let's get started. Actually, before we get started, I want to highlight that episode 37 of the Elevate Your Running podcast is all about taper best practices. So Austin and I share our taper best practices to get you to the start line happy and healthy. Um, So if you are in taper, if you're going to be in taper, um, that is an episode that I highly, highly recommend. I feel like we are now in the midst of spring racing. There are so many athletes racing every single weekend between now and like Memorial day, which is at the end of may. So it's about a six week time, um, period. The fall has one as well, where it's just very, very busy with a lot of race strategy calls and taper tantrums and niggles and calming athletes down and reassuring them that the work has been done and that they are ready. All right. So marathon season is officially here. And, you know, so many races begin really early, some before daylight. Remember the Mesa marathon weekend? I ran the 10 K and I shared that I ran about the first four miles in the dark. And if the, if you ran the half that weekend, it's the same thing. It starts at 6 AM and it didn't really get light out or the sun kind of rose, um, gosh, about 30, 40 minutes after the start. So it took quite a bit of time for the sun to rise. Um, And that's a very early start. It's I think the earliest start race start I've ever been to a 6 a.m. start. And um, let me tell you, you get up pretty early for that race, but it's also very pretty. Um, But there are so many races with that early start time. And, you know, as runners, I think we all appreciate that to some extent. Um, And if you're like me, I love waking up, maybe having about an hour, 75 minutes before waking up to get my long run in. And that's like such a great like place for me to be set up for success with breakfast and caffeine and, you know, doing everything that I need to do to set myself up for success for that long run. But if you're running a large marathon, or if you're running a major marathon, like London, this weekend, right? April 23rd, we have Berlin, we have Tokyo The other three majors are New York, Chicago, and the Boston Marathon. So you might be waking up several hours before your race actually begins. It all really depends on, one, if you have a late start to begin with, two, if you're traveling to a race on race morning and you get to accommodate for doing everything you need to do before you get out the door, the travel time, street closures, Logistics, once you get there and getting into your corral, that could you know be hours, right? Depending on how long you have to drive and how far you parked away, right? Um, so that's going to be a, a key to think about. And then also, if you're unable to sleep from race nerves, how many of us have been there? And I am a big believer that, like, okay, so you get three hours of sleep the night before a race, it's okay as long as ideally it's the second night before the race that you really want to have really quality sleep. Or if you're getting quality sleep that whole week, the night before the race, isn't going to be a needle mover. Like you should be able with the race day excitement. You should feel just fine. Um, for the Mesa marathon. So different from the 10 K that I ran in 2023, I ran the Mesa marathon in 2022, I woke up around 1 a.m. and we needed to wake up, I think it was around 3.45 a.m. to get to the buses for a 6 a.m. start time, and I didn't fall asleep after waking up. So that was great practice on how to set myself up for success for a marathon when I woke up at 1 a.m. and I raced at 6 a.m., right? Right. Um so I think most of us have been there. We've had those ner- we've had those race day nerves where we just haven't been able to sleep and that's okay. Um but how do you set yourself up for success? So I have the breakdown. So what we want to focus on are some key things. We want to work backwards from your timeline. So I'm going to use the example from the Boston Marathon 2023. I am in wave 2. That begins at 10.25 a.m. Eastern time. I get to be on the bus, meaning I have checked my bag. I have gone through security by 7.30 a.m. So what time do I really need to wake up? We're going to work backwards and create the timeline. So um, if I get to be on the bus at 7.30 a.m., I am looking to check my bag no later than 7 a.m., go through security to get on the bus. So if I need to be at Boston Commons by 7 a.m., I am most likely waking up between 5.50 and 6 a.m. Eastern time, okay? So you want to work backwards from your timeline of when you actually start your race, when you need to be on the bus, and then what you need to do to be able to get to the bus um, or get dropped off at the start line. Like some people do, um, to feel like you have set yourself up for success and not have like this huge gap of time, but also not cutting it close where, you know, you're feeling kind of anxious because you're running late, you're running behind and the lines are long and all the things, right. Um, it's a huge, I know it's, it's, there's so many emotions and there's so many things going on in race morning. but the best thing that you can do is just start planning ahead of time and work backwards from your race start timeline, right? So if I'm waking up, let's say for simplicity reasons, 6 AM Eastern time, and I'm racing, my wave starts at 10, 25 AM. I'm in the middle of the corral, I'm in corral, or I'm in the middle of the wave. I'm in corral four, there's eight corrals in each wave, maybe I'm starting around 1030. So that's four and a half hours between waking up. And when I actually get to run, that's a long time. So what you want to do is essentially practice this in training. This is huge. Um, And I would suggest doing this anyways, in training, just try it once and see how it goes. It's a pretty wild experience, especially if You do like to wake up and get out the door and get your run in. Um, You know, waiting that long is kind of this, it's this weird, it just feels off, right? It just doesn't feel natural. It doesn't feel like, um, like it's something you should be doing, or at least that's in my experience, right? So I've done this in two workouts for the Boston Marathon. I practiced this on an easy run. Um, Easy in quotes, because I went to Magnolia Road, and if you're familiar with that road, it's at 9,000 feet. It's on dirt, and there is about 1,600 feet of elevation gain in 16 miles, Um, so significant up and down hills, Um, and for this run, we started at 930 AM and I believe I woke, I woke up that morning at 5 a.m. to try and simulate it as best as I could. Now I think it's also important to understand that when you're in heavy training, what is our number one recovery tool? It's sleep. So really pay attention to what you need to set yourself up for success. Like there have been many times in this training cycle where I've had to decline early morning running with friends because I wanted to sleep in until 6am and they wanted to run until 6am or they wanted to start running at 6am. So understand that like you get to also get your sleep, but you can still kind of simulate this by waking up at a time that's probably a little bit earlier than normal to try and get in that gap of time between the two. Um, between the two of waking up and starting. So I did that for Magnolia Road. And what I found was that I was starting to get a little tired around 8.30 AM. So about an hour before we actually ran. So I took a caffeinated gel and that worked really, really well. So I am a caffeine junkie. I love to drink a lot of coffee in the morning. Um, So my plan For Boston this week, I'm trying to not drink as much coffee this week, but also knowing that if I need to take a caffeinated gel or half of a caffeinated gel, I'm bringing an extra caffeinated gel with me on the bus, right? So I figured out that that's probably what I'm going to need on that easy run. And you also want to try this with goal pace work because it's going to feel different. Um, The way your body responds to like what you're eating and how you're setting yourself up for success, it's going to be different with the goal pace work. There's, we've talked about how like the gels too, can be different between easy and a long run with goal pace work, right? So the same's going to apply here with how you're setting yourself up for success with fueling nutrition, hydration, um, with this much of a gap between wake up and start time. So what does that look like? Let's talk about You know, you've practiced this in training, but let's talk about what the actual like nutrition and hydration looks like for a late race start. So you'll want to fuel with breakfast before you head out. So ideally, this is going to be at that like four hour mark, because in my situation or in in this example for this week, I have to be and get to be on the bus at seven thirty I don't necessarily want to bring my breakfast with me, so I'm going to eat my breakfast at 6.30 a.m., which is four hours before I start the run or the race. (laughs) I am racing it. Um, So this is going to look like my typical pre-long run breakfast, which includes a gluten-free bagel, nut butter, and a full banana. And I'm also going to have a little bit of coffee, but instead of drinking drip coffee, I am taking two espresso shots. And for me, that works so much better on race day because it's less fluids. I feel like it doesn't dehydrate me as much as like drinking 10 ounces or 12 ounces of coffee. Um, and it gives you like a nice like shot in the arm before you head out um, to uh, to the buses. And then I'm also gonna drink um, a little bit of scratch or electrolyte mix. And I'm actually bringing that all with me. So this is all what I'm doing about four hours before I race. And then you also want to think about consuming about half of that original breakfast in the form of snacks about two hours later or about two hours before the start of a race. I might push this to 90 minutes. I think it's, um, I'm a big believer in like, Listening to your body and understanding what you need on race day. So, like, I am not tied to these timelines, but I think it's a nice visual on how to kind of lay things out. But if you need to kind of like move things around a little bit because it's going to set you up for success, maybe not the person next to you, but for you, do that. So, I might be eating my snack 90 minutes before the start, which is probably what I'm going to do. So, I'm thinking a banana honey stinger waffle, graham crackers. Um, I might take that caffeinated gel depending on how I feel. And I'm going to have more snacks than I need. And that's not to like overeat or over like fuel and then have a stomach cramp. It is to make sure that in case I get hungry, because how many of us have gone into a long run feeling hungry? That is the absolute worst. Um I want to make sure that I have enough. And then it's also important that you can, can like share snacks with the people around you in athletes village, right? And then at some point I'll be taking the caffeinated gel whether it's 90 minutes before um with the caffeinated gel I don't think I want to take it too close to the start line, but I will be taking a non-caffeinated gel right before I start. So with all that, you want to bring your water, your electrolytes, your snacks, all the things you think you're going to need on the bus, right? And then you want to stop hydrating with about an hour to 75 minutes to go before the race start. Um, That's going to be ideal so you don't have to stop to use the restroom in the first 5K or 10K of the race. And that's going to be huge um, to be able to get that dialed in. And you'll want to practice all of this, like I said, in training and just really understanding what things work best for you and what things don't serve you. Right. Like I could say some people would say the caffeinated gel would not work for them before the race start. Right. But I know for me, it probably will. I just need to time it. So it's not too close to the start because I need to be patient in the first half of the race. Right. That is my word. For the first 13.1 is patience and, um, and not getting too ahead of myself and caffeine will do that. Um, so I hope that helps in terms of, you know, if you're, if you get to run a major, if you have a late race start, if you're traveling to a race, if you wake up in the middle of the night and you can't sleep and you have this huge gap in time. And you don't really know that until, until it happens. Right. So I highly encourage everyone to try and practice this in your training. It does mix things up, even though it's a little uncomfortable for me and I don't necessarily like it. It does, um, mix things up and kind of mix up the training cycle a little bit. So it's not just like the same thing every weekend. Um, and You know, if you get to practice it in the cooler months of the year, that helps too for sure. I would have hated to do this in the summer. All right. So next I'm going to talk about tips for running in the rain and then racing in the rain. because it's a little bit different. And I want to talk about this because one, I feel like we don't talk about how to run in the rain often. It's not one of those weather elements that come up often. We talk about heat. We talk about snow, we talk about cold, we talk about ice, but we really don't talk about how to run in the rain, right? Um, So here are my tips for how to run in the rain. So first and foremost, don't worry about pace. Just go out there and have fun. And if you're trying to get a workout in and it's just not happening because maybe there's wind with the rain or the rain is really cold, adjust your schedule. And maybe shift it to an easy run and do the workout the next day when it's not going to be raining, or choose to do the hard thing and do the workout, but instead run on effort, right? Because ultimately, we're going to have those races where we're running in the rain. And if you have practiced this with easy pace or with a workout, or maybe it's a long run, you're going to be better for it. Now, I had an athlete, um, he was prepping for CIM last year for 2022 and he had texted on a Sunday morning asking if, um, maybe it was a Sunday afternoon, like if he should move his long run to a different day, because it was raining outside. And I had said, my response to him was what if it's raining on race day? this is great practice so go out there as long as it's not like lightning it's not storming you know you can do this safely I'd love for you to go out and and get it done and he did that and then lo and behold it almost rained on or maybe it did I think in the second half of his run um it rained on race day Ooh. so now he had practice and he knew that he could do it and he knew how it was going to feel and it kind of like, I think calmed him down, right? Knowing like I did this before I can do this again. It's not this unknown of what's going to happen, right? You'll want to leave your earbuds at home if you can. And this is for two different reasons. You want to be able to pay attention to what's happening around you more closely, especially if you're running on a road with traffic the cars are going to have a harder time seeing you. Um, other runners are going to have a hard time seeing you, especially if it's like really dark and gray and dreary. So you really want to be able to pay attention to everything that's going on around you. But then also if your air, if your earbuds aren't waterproof, you're going to ruin them if you run with them in the rain. So um highly suggest you just leave them at home and really take in all the sounds around you and really like listening to rain um is like a really calming thing to do so maybe it'll get you into a really nice zone um for your run same thing with your phone if your phone's not waterproof you know either putting it in a bag um and you know put it in then like your short pocket or a running belt or something like that um to kind of like keep your phone safe dry, but easy to access in case you need it, um, for emergencies. And then obviously like running in the daylight is better than running at night. That's true for any weather element, but you know, when it comes to rainy runs, that's going to be even more important because it's just so difficult for cars and other people to see other things around them when it's dark and raining. So if you can go out in the daytime to be able to get in your easy run or your workout, um, in the rain, that's going to be more beneficial to you. All right. Let's talk about tips for racing in the rain. So a little bit different. I mean, all the things that I mentioned, I think are pretty standard for just when you're out there in the rain, right? But when you're racing in the rain, it's a little bit different, specifically for Boston. And why am I talking about this topic this week? Well, looks like it might rain on race day. And I feel like we don't talk about this enough. So um, here are my tips for racing in the rain and how to prepare yourself for that huge gap in time between getting to Athletes Village, which could be two hours before your start time, right? So you wanna bring a throwaway pair of shoes. Um, that you can wear until it's time to line up to put your race shoes on. And then you can donate that pair. Um, You can technically, it's like a throwaway pair of shoes. We all do that with clothes, right? We might um, have joggers or a long sleeve or something that we donate. Like the race will donate everything that's thrown out. So it could be an old pair of running shoes that you don't necessarily you can't really run in them, but they might be able to be donated for someone to use for walking or just everyday shoes, right? Um, the other thing, if you don't have a pair of shoes to donate is to put bags over each shoe to keep them as dry as possible. And that's kind of the key to all of this, staying as dry as possible. So you might also need to bring a garbage bag or a um, or something else to be able to wear between the time you get off the bus and when it starts. Um, and that could also be like a rain poncho, right? Something to keep yourself super dry. But then also I would bring a second one to be able to put on the ground so you can sit and wait and stay dry, um, rather than standing, right? So if you have a big gap in time between the time you get to the race, start, Line And when you actually start, you don't want to be standing for those two hours. Like that's a lot of time on feet that you don't need. Um, so bringing an extra something, something garbage bag, poncho um, to lay down, to be able to sit and stay dry is ideal. You'll also want to race in, you know, dry wicking fabrics. Wool is also another great fabric. Um, to race in, you don't want to be racing in cotton because it's going to not only just weigh you down and be super heavy, but you're going to get some significant chafing. And if anyone has had chafing, it is like the most painful thing. So consider applying a little more body glide as well, which will help with all of your fabrics just staying a little bit looser on your skin so you don't have chafing on race day. Um, If you are racing in the cold rain, you can consider wearing a light rain jacket. I feel like rain jackets are very warm, even if it's a light rain jacket. So you might overheat doing that. I think it's really great to be able to wear a hat. That's gonna keep the rain out of your eyes if it's cold, you could add a beanie on top of that hat. Um, but wearing a tank arm sleeves, a throwaway long sleeve that you can kind of like wrap around. So it's just on your arms or the arm sleeves work as well, bringing an extra layer to wear at the start line. Um, that's also going to help you so, so much to kind of run as best as you can in the conditions. So What you also want to focus in on is like the mindset and the mental side of all of this, right? So you'll want to shift your attention away from how crappy this is. (laughs) And you can't ignore the rain, but you can acknowledge it and shift your focus to other things, right? It could be the spectators. It could be someone running next to you and talking with them. Specifically, if you are running a marathon, you should be able to talk to the person next to you for the first half of the race. Um, That's how you know you're in a good race pace to run a very strong second half. Um, You want to focus in on what you can control, right? So just only focus in on what you can control, which is your running form, your mindset, when you're taking gels, your pace, And just really try to focus in on all things that are not weather related. Um, Practicing gratitude. Like you get to run this race. I'm a super big believer in that. And that's been something I've been saying to my coach this whole cycle of like, I'm just grateful to be here and to be able to do this and to have this opportunity again. And like, I want to run really strong. And at the end of the day, I know what. Whatever happens on the course, I'm just really going to be grateful for the movement and getting the opportunity to run this race again. You'll want to draw strength from past experiences, right? So, thinking about a training run that was really tough that you flowed through, maybe it was a different weather element that you trained through. Like in my training cycle, I've dealt with really cold long runs, I've uh, had a lot of very windy long runs with significant headwind that just wouldn't quit. Um, and you'll want to think about those moments. And when you were able to still flow through and get through the finish, because ultimately you're a much stronger athlete on race day than when you were in training, you're tapered, you have race day energy, you have carbo loaded for the last few days. Like you are ready. And in training, it's much harder to get through a training run that's uncomfortable. So Go back to those times where you've been able to push through and flow through and find that wind. And then my athletes are going to smile when they hear me say this, but smile, right? I just let the cat out of the bag, but smile, like smiling has like studies have shown that smiling can help you run faster, reduces your perceived effort. It improves your mood. It can shift your mind from a negative place into a positive or neutral place, which I feel like is still a huge win on race day, right? So smile when things get hard, smile, and that's going to help you slow through the race a little bit easier, hopefully a little bit faster when you are racing in the rain. Um, if you need to adjust your pacing for running in the rain or racing in the rain, I think that's fair too. Some of the super, super shoes don't necessarily perform the best with wet surfaces. That's something to keep in mind. If you feel like you start running and it feels harder than it should, um, back off your pace until it feels like a comfortable, easy pace specifically for the marathon, um, to feel good, to set yourself up for success. All right. So I'm going to flow into the last topic for today, which is how to continue running, when motivation changes. So, you know, whether you're just getting into running or you've been a runner for years, motivation will a hundred thousand percent ebb and flow. It's the nature of a hobby. It's the nature of life. It's being a human, right? It could mean that you have a very busy life season, work season, family season, and running gets to take a backseat or you just don't have the energy to get it done. Um, but maybe it's really about finding that balance when life is busy and it's well life, right? Um, and I think it's okay to kind of have those seasons where you're running more, you're running less, but if you want to be running more and the motivation isn't there, here are my best practices on how to stay true to your running and training when motivation starts to be different and change. So first and foremost, it's always realigning with your running why. Why are you doing this? Why do you want to get out the door? Why are you training? What does running mean to you? Is it something you're doing for yourself? Is it something that you're, maybe you're signed up as a charity runner and you have an obligation, a great obligation, a positive obligation to a charity and you want to show up as strong as possible, even if you're running it for fun. So you get to align with your why, and that's always first and foremost. There have been a lot of runs in this Boston build where I needed to think about the why behind training because for me, running in single-digit temperatures, running on the treadmill for days and days and days on end doesn't really fill my cup um at the end of the day i love running and if that's what i have to do to run i'll do it but when it starts to stack on itself it can be um an interesting place to be so realigning and re- remembering and really like remembering why you're doing this is going to be huge and for me it was showing up and like being my word and the commitment to what I had set out to do at the very beginning of this and knowing that Boston isn't going to be easy. Did I set myself up to run as strong as possible for race day? Yes. And my coach did do. Um, yes, I definitely have, but there are going to be moments on the course where it's still incredibly hard. It is the Boston marathon, what goes down must go up at Boston (laughs) with the course, right? So it's going to get really hard in the second half and like realigning with the why behind all of that. And if you can do hard things in training, it's going to help you to be able to do hard things on race day too. And to be able to flow through it with more grace and confidence than maybe in past runs. My second tip or best practice is updating your running wardrobe. Okay, uh, this is like, I think some people are either gonna love or leave this one, but this is something that helps me every single time. And I'm not saying update your entire running wardrobe, but it does help if you can buy something new to help with your everyday running, right? So that could mean a pair of running socks. It doesn't have to be extravagant, right? a pair of running socks. Um, it could be a new pair of running shorts. Or in my case, it was like a new like winter long sleeve because I was so over wearing just the exact same thing for so many weeks on end in this season. And it just felt very boring and um, needed to update it. So it can kind of help when the motivation starts to you know, ebb and flow a little bit. Um, rotating shoes is one of the coolest things to do. Um, and that can mean just rotating between two pairs of shoes, but it really does help. It not only helps your mindset of like creating a new run each day, but it really does help the shoe. It helps the shoe last a little bit longer and it really helps your feet be able to, um, feet and body stay healthy throughout a training cycle. So I'm a big believer in rotating shoes and wearing the right shoes for different types of running, easy, recovery, workout, long run, race day, all different shoes. And they get to be like that. Um, If you can do that, and even just rotating through two pairs of shoes is super great too. Um, And it really does move the needle. The five minute rule or the one mile rule and that's probably not going to be in five minutes. So maybe it's the 10 minute rule, right? Whatever you can do to put on your running clothes and just start. And that's like the hardest thing, right? Just starting, just getting out the door, turning off the phone, turning on the music, or maybe listening to mother nature, like really like just starting. And how oftentimes have you started to run feeling so unmotivated? or gross or heavy or tired and after the first mile things start to feel a little bit better right if you're someone who takes a while to warm up um sometimes it can be half of the run before you start to feel better but i really encourage you like if you are having a hard time getting out the door just doing whatever you can do to do that And just start and kind of give yourself permission that like, hey, if this doesn't feel good after the first mile or the second mile, I'm going home or I'm calling my spouse or I'm calling a friend to pick me up um, or I have my phone with me. So I'm calling a lift, like whatever you need to do to feel better. Um, But I want you to think about like how many times have you regretted a run after you finished it? right? There aren't many. I think there's a balance between, you know, if you're feeling healthy and you really come back from a run and you regretted it, there's probably something else going on. There's probably some burnout, some overtraining going on. Um, but if you come back from a run and you feel energized and you feel the running endorphins and you are feeling accomplished, like that's a super cool place to be. So kind of keep your eyes On the prize, so to speak, and then running with friends helps so much, right? Running with a local running group or meeting up with people in your neighborhood, or maybe it's a local running store. Um, and the run is on the calendar for the same time, same place, same distance each week, and that's a huge piece to making the commitment and showing up and getting out the door, right? Some of us need that extra accountability, and that's okay. Tracking your progress helps so much, and that can be through Strava, it can be through a running journal, which is very exciting, whether it's a digital or um, handwritten running journal, and you can kind of look back to see your progress of like, what progress have you made in the last month, three months, six months, 12 months, For me, I thought back to like my first marathon prep and how different that prep was from this prep and just being so grateful for being in a totally different place and having like, you know, still recovering very hard, but it's a different type of recovery than that first marathon training cycle. It's a good place to be. So tracking your progress is huge. It'll give you confidence. Hopefully it'll give you the motivation to keep going. Because the consistency is the the biggest piece to becoming a stronger runner, hands down. Um, having a plan helps for sure. I am such a big like checklist to do person that I love having a running plan. So much so that when I saw my plan was updated through April, I got really excited. And then when I looked at it. I saw that it was all rest days after the Boston Marathon, (laughs) right? Love having a plan. Okay, the plan is to rest. Um, And that could mean like downloading a plan, creating your own plan or aligning with a coach. I think one of the things um, that you definitely get to think about, though, is like if you do hire a coach, you're partnering with them. Understand what's going to motivate you and inspire you and have that conversation with your coach, but also know that they're not there to babysit and that like you get to be part of this partnership and part of what an athlete gets to do is to be able to get out the door without their coach needing to push or scoot them out the door every day. And then signing up for a race. This is such a big deal. And this is something that I've had a race on my calendar for years. I think for the last five years, I've always gone into a race with another race on the calendar. And this is my first time for boss. Well, for any time in the last five years, but for the Boston marathon, I have two races in May, but they're for fun. I'm not racing them and I don't have anything lined up after. And I've done that on purpose. Um, I think it's going to help me run a stronger race knowing I don't have anything. I don't have another marathon on the schedule, so I can't fall back. Like when things get hard, I can't tell, can't negotiate with myself and say, but you'll like work really, really hard for the next race. Like, no, this is it. This is it. This is all you have. But signing up for a race is huge. It'll give you that motivation to continue to show up to training, to get you out the door when you've had a long day or you didn't get maybe it's waking up and wanting to sleep for another hour but getting out the door it'll definitely help you i think it's also important to understand what drives you right setting your goals if you're a big goal setter like i am or having a schedule i just love to check mark that every day every day um i am very very consistent and It hasn't been easy every single day, but it is realigning to the why and being able to get out the door. So understanding what drives you, our goals, a big piece to what drives you like it is for me and having that plan. Maybe it's having options, right? I have athletes who need to have and want to have options. Maybe it's a flex rest day option of they get to kind of rearrange their schedule based on what they need for that week. Or it's mileage options of, or time on feet options of having a range. Some athletes absolutely hate that, but some really like it. So it's understanding what's going to drive you and communicating that either with a coach or understanding that for yourself to be successful. Sometimes it's knowing that other people are counting on you like a running group and you've committed to going and showing up, right? I think it's important to note, it's definitely important to note that if you're going through a big training cycle, a big peak week, maybe it's a peak block, so it's a three week block in a training cycle, that's always going to feel tough for athletes. So if you find that motivation starts to wane during this big, like, this is it, this is the peak week, this is the week where we're running the most, we have the most quality. There is like, this is the week when the stress happens. This is it. There's a lot on the line with those weeks. It's a really tough time for athletes to flow through that. I think oftentimes we're already thinking about taper and we really want to start resting and we still have five days or maybe it's two weeks of just really long runs and a lot of mileage and that's okay. It's going to be tough for all of us. I think that's important to know. Um, The most important part is proving to yourself that you can do this. You are strong. You are capable. And you can also find ways to add fun into all of this too. So the motivation maybe stays a bit more balanced, right? I talked about ways to incorporate fun In your training cycle or in your running in last week's episode, which was episode 63, um, we get to have that balance. We get to have the fun. We get to have the motivation. And we get to also understand that it's not always going to be sunshine and rainbows, but aligning back to the why. It is part of the process, right? And ultimately you get to figure out what's going to set you up for success to head out the door day after day, week after week, training cycle after training cycle, and taking the necessary time between races to set yourself up for success. And like I've said before, consistency is the queen of running, which is the key to success. It has been proven time and time again. And it's a really cool place to be. When you find the flow, you find the fun, you find the motivation. You have people who lift you high when the motivation's not there and find that winning formula. So with that, that is this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate each and every one of you. And thank you so much for all the encouraging messages um, heading into race week. Um, I'll be racing on Monday, April 17th at 1025 AM, maybe a few minutes later. Um, that's Eastern time. And the, the Boston Marathon app is super cool. It's one of the best apps out there to be able to track athletes. Um, so it'll be a really fun day. I'd love it if you tracked and supported me um, from all across the country, that would be super fun. And, um, and next week we have Austin back with us, which is exciting. So he's going to record, he requested to record his own solo episode, So I'm sure it's going to be amazing and, um, thought provoking and help you create an elevated life. So he'll be back with the solo episode next week as I recover from a, a big marathon race, and then we'll be back together the following week. So I appreciate all of you. Thank you so much for your um, feedback and listening over these weeks as I've done these solo episodes. I've really come to enjoy it. So it's been a lot of fun. And um, thank you so much. If you'd like to follow me on Instagram, I'm at Elevate Your Running and at Sarah S-A-Y-R-A-H, Runs Happy. Thank you so much, everyone. Have a great week and... I'll see you soon.